Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Each week we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the world of Harry Potter. Be warned, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. I'm Bayana. And I'm Robin. We're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book. Today we're discussing chapters, chapter three of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Will or Won't. Um... We have some announcements and reminders. We want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts. Um, So please feel free to tweet along with us. Use the hashtag wizard team on Twitter to follow along. Okay. Love our blog. Love wizard team. Have a few extra galleons lying around. Donate to Black Girls Create. You can become a Patronus or send us a cheering charm at blackgirlscreate.org slash donate. Um, And we have wizard team merch. So you can head over to our website to step up your nerd fashion and stationary game um and you know get cool things while you support us yes um and if you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so or if you are supporting us financially and want another cool way to support us again um rate and review us on itunes um, and also subscribe to Black Witches Weekly, our newsletter curated by Wizard Bay Deborah with nerd news and links to what's been going on. So if you want to be in the know, be sure to subscribe. Um, you can go to blackgirlscreate.org to do so. And now for Wizard Team News. Um, so last week, last Wizard Team Wednesday, in fact, uh, the the Harry Potter Hogwarts mystery mobile game dropped. Yes. Um, and so far it's like, I haven't played it as much as I expected to, but also like we were out of town over the weekend and then they make you wait to do things sometimes. Yeah. And I forget. And so, you know, I'm not really a mobile game player, (laughs) (laughs) but so far from what I have played, um, it's pretty fun. It's really simple and like just like a, you know, chill game. Yeah, I'm on Robin's chapter. I've already spent money on it. I have spent money on it as well. Twice, in fact. That's what I'm saying. I said you have. Oh, I haven't. Yes. I, haven't I have, gotten I that have far. twice spent money on it. The first time because I thought I was going to die. And then Bayana let me know that like that wasn't the case. So I was like, I'm never spending money on this again. And then the second time because I really wanted to finish learning that spell. Um, I'm on chapter eight already. Nice. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely not that far. Um, I just, yeah, I'm really excited to learn Lo- Mora. I don't like that they force you to be reckless. Like, yeah, dueling already. I'm about to yeah. sneak into somewhere. Like, yeah, they really had me dueling. And like, I was like, nah. all that I've learned is Lumos. Right. What, what is Lumos <laughs> going to do in a duel? Nothing. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Can't I choose not to do this? But. Yeah. Um, yeah. In other news, as Bayana said, we were out of town because we had non-refundable flights to Baltimore, and Cousin Con was a success. Um, shout out to the Blurred Girl, Nerds of Color, and Black Heroes Matter, and everyone else who put together the Y Comic Con pop-up in a week. Like, it was definitely had the feel of a, we did this um, quickly but it mm-hmm. also was like full of love and support and people were great. And I got to talk to Fancy Lee from the Killjoys and Lucy, the, or the voice of Lucy, she plays a ship on Killjoys. And so I was super stoked about that. Um, Angelique Rocher, one of our first contributors 
to the blog and uh, special guest host on Tarbis, our other podcast, um, dropped serious uh, Infinity War feels on our faces. And she did do that, that was great. I mean, it was also just really great because the one thing that like I wasn't, we, we weren't going to go to the Universal Fan Con screening of Infinity War, but we were definitely going to Infinity War in Baltimore. And I was really excited about being in a place where you knew, like, the majority of people had seen that movie and you didn't have to be, like, super worried about spoilers. But also, um, just, like, that um, that you could immediately talk about it, which it was definitely one of those movies where you had to, like... I mean, we stayed up until, what, like, four <laughs> Five. Five, but the movie ended at three thirty. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. But we went to a yeah, we went to a midnight show, and then got home and still needed an hour to talk and calm down before we could go to bed. So yeah, I really appreciated that. So I was very thankful that we had a place to go, um, and fellowship. You know, it was like nerd church. So yeah, it was a yeah. success. It was really awesome. Also, um, I did not go to the Instinct Dirty pop-up. Please send me your thoughts and condolences. Eliana was sending me pictures and making me feel bad. And then she was like, I don't want to tell you how to be an adult, girl. You know, you should be an adult. But also, it's in sync." And I was like, I know. Eliana is an, is an enabler. So I just want y'all to know that I made an adult choice. Being an adult is bullshit. I regret it. It might be one of the biggest regrets of my life. But NSYNC has a star on the Walk of Fame, and I have some new merch, but not the merch that I wanted. Um, okay, so no new Patronuses and Cheering Charms, no Magical Birthdays this week. Um, let's get into um, Chapter previously, three. previously on Wizard Team. Um, so previously on Wizard Team, Narcissa... Malfoy went to Snape's house to ask him to help Draco with some mysterious plot that Voldemort has him doing. Um, Bellatrix doesn't trust Snape and thinks that uh, Narcissus should keep her mouth shut and not talk to Snape about things um, that are private. And Wormtail is a rat still and (laughs) is sneaking all around the house. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's pretty much what's going on about Snape um decides to uh, make an unbreakable vow to Narcissa vowing that he'll help um yeah that he'll help Draco with his secret plan whatever that plan is his task it's really to kill Dumbledore because it's a spoiler heavy podcast but it was not said in the chapter um but also the unbreakable vow if you do not meet it you die so right not to be taken lightly (laughs) yeah it's a serious thing um yeah all right so also wait, 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 before we get started uh, um uh-huh. the one thing i do really appreciate about the mobile game is that snape is literally an asshole he like says he said something like um the only thing i'm less interested in than you is your apology and i was like <laughs> well wait you got that characterization down pat thank thank you guys oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, he's a terrible person. Um, Even on a mobile Okay, game. so chapter three, will and won't. Um, this is the first chapter that we see Harry Potter. Chapter three. So, 
chapter three. It's been two, three weeks since we've um, seen this person and the main character of the of the books, and here we go. Um, so Harry was snoring loudly. He was sitting, basically, he's like sitting at the window, um, and fell asleep on it. You know, he was like looking out the window, and then he dozed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and his face is like pressed against it. Um, and then his room is a mess, a hot mess. Like the kind of like, thing where it's know. like, if you don't have roaches or mice. And that's, and it seems like he would, maybe because Petunia cleans the rest of the house, then maybe it's fine. But I don't think that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has like owl feathers. App- like I feel like so generally, like if messy rooms growing up, right? A lot of it was just like clothes and toys and like random trinkets, books, just shit like thrown over the floor, right? And then like clutter does invite critters, but food is really the main thing. Yeah. And like, like, you know, droppings and shit. So he has like owl feathers, apple cores, sweet wrappers. So like all those things are things that invite like roaches and rats and like ants. <laughs> um, and he's only been here like two weeks to maybe three. And it got this uh, messy yeah. so quickly. He doesn't care. I mean, he's no. also like, um, I'm kind of go. I'm kind of like climbing myself out of this uh, right now where I was like depressed, but didn't really know it. <laughs> and my entire apartment was like just a, a mess um a hot mess and like I was so tired that I couldn't like I would just look at it and just feel discouraged to do anything about it and then it would just Mm -hmm. get worse and worse um and so it's definitely and like it's it's a big sign of like depression um when everything is kind of like around you is like falling apart um or like is unkempt and because you don't have any energy and whatever and so he is still like grieving because Mm -hmm. a lot has gone down um so much so it makes sense but it's also one it's like upsetting because the dursleys petunia in particular are not helping him you know like and not even paying attention like not even going into his room to see that it looks a hot mess right and and not and that it's not a hot mess in the way of like oh he's a teenage boy and this is gross but like right. uh, he's dealing with like severe grief and trauma um and well, I yeah, mean they they're so ask. used to being the people that inflict the the trauma I guess that they just don't recognize mm-hmm. what to do but it is like it's really like sad to me that they're not noticing this and it's so, it's not even like um, Harry, fifth year Harry, when he's like hiding a lot of that stuff internal and he's internalizing it. Like this is like a, a visual, homeboy isn't doing that well. <laughs> like, right. And they're not doing anything about it. So. Yeah. But that is kind of on par for the Dursleys, you know. Um, okay, so... Under, like, so there's also a bunch of spell books everywhere, um, tangled robes, and then there's a bunch of newspapers on his desk. Um, so the first one is titled Harry Potter, The Chosen One. 
um, and says that rumors continue to fly about the mysterious recent disturbance at the Ministry of Magic, during which Hume must not be named was cited once more. We're not allowed to talk about it. Don't ask me anything, said an, one agitated obliviator who refused to give his name as he left the ministry last night. Nevertheless, highly placed sources within the ministry have confirmed that the disturbance centered on the fabled Hall of Prophecy. Um, though ministry spokeswizards have hitherto refused even to confirm the existence of such a place, a growing number of wizarding of the wizarding community believe that the Death Eaters, now serving sentences in Azkaban for trespass and attempted theft, were attempting to steal a prophecy. Um, the nature of the prophecy is unknown. The speculation is rife that it concerns Harry Potter, the only person ever known to survive the killing curse, and who was also known to be in the ministry on the night in question. Some are going so far as to call Potter the Chosen One, believing that the prophecy names him to be the only one who will be able to rid us of he who must not be named. Um, so I'm like, was Rita sitting at on Dumbledore's ledge? Or <laughs> this little... Uh, these little guesses and rumors and, and, you know, allegations and shit are real close. For the truth. Well, like, I also think yeah. this is one of those things where, like, Fudge and all of those auras, like, came at the end. You know, like, he's back. And, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, the current resident of the White House. Where it's, like, mm-hmm. people that are really close to the president are just telling all because they want people to know because this shit is, like, ridiculous, right? Right. And so if you were one of the aurors that showed up at the ministry to see Voldemort, like, standing there dueling Dumbledore, like, you, I feel like you'd be like, homegirl, daily prophet, now, let me tell you <laughs> what just went down. So yeah. That's possible. But I also think that, like, they don't necessarily... Because I doubt the Unspeakables are saying anything because, like, it's in their job title. Unless they're just, like, really stuck at their job. Right. But, um... Not the Unspeakables, but I think, like, the auras and, like, the... Like, no, I know what you mean. I'm and... saying the more... I'm talking about more of the specificity of the... Um, the prophecy. More the information on the prophecy than it is about, like, finding out that it was in the Hall of Prophecy and all that kind of stuff. More, like, the specifics of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um... Like, I mean, I guess you could guess... And, you know, it's Harry Potter and Voldemort, so you can kind of guess that there's something there. Um, but I also think, just thinking about it now, that it's super, like, wild to me that, or just kind of, like, I don't know, ironic that not three weeks ago everybody was like, he's crazy, he, you know, is he's t- lying about Voldemort being back, and then all of a sudden he's the chosen one and the only one who can save them. And it's like, maybe you should have thought of that before. Definitely should have thought of that before. Yeah. And then trying to get um, salty. Salt, salty because he won't come out and publicly be like, I'm on your side. Right. He's like, hmm, how about, no, how about I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a terrible idea. Um, so the current whereabouts of the prophecy, if they, if it exists, are currently all no- unknown. Although, um, continued page two, column five. So... I, I like that. We usually get, mm-hmm. like, the article... In full. In full. And this is, like, very much, like, we get some of it, and it just feels more, like... Yeah. Like, it's laying on the ground, like and it's covered up by the, you know... Right. And not like Hermione's reading it at the... At the uh, table. Table. Yeah. Um, then the next newspaper is Scrimger Succeeds Fudge. Um, most of the front page is taken up by a large black and white picture of a man with a lion-like mane of thick hair and a rather ravaged face. So... I don't know why I've never thought of this before, but I feel like 
if having a lion like mane is very similar to having bushy hair. Yeah, I have always thought that like the the mane is like more very thick but like straw like. Because mm. most, but I mean that's kind of that's I mean that's how it was in the in the movie, and I guess I thought that too. But then for some reason this time it just like in my head I was like, is he black potentially? But then maybe not. I also don't really want to claim him. So yeah, I wouldn't say that that's black. I would say it's more of the like really thick straw kind of hair that you would see. Um, I don't know. My friend's Peruvian, and she has that hair, but it's kind of it's hers is curlier, but um, mm-hmm. it is also straight and like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the article reads: Rufus Scrimger, previously head of the art office in the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, has succeeded Cornelius Fudge as Minister of Magic. Um, really quickly, it makes me wonder if. Um, if Voldemort hadn't, like, went and killed Madame Bones personally, if she would have been made the Minister of Magic. Yeah. Because she had a higher position than Scrimger. Um, I'm wondering, because... Yeah. I mean, maybe not, but it was just, like, a thought that I had when I was reading it. Yeah. Because I also don't know when they, um... I don't know when they appointed him, you know what I mean? Like, what the timeline was. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, The appointment has largely been greeted with enthusiasm by the wizarding community, although rumors of a rift between the new minister and Albus Dumbledore, newly reinstated chief warlock of the Wisengamot, surfaced within hours of Scrimger taking office. Scrimger's representatives admitted that he had met with Dumbledore at once upon taking possession of the top job, but refused to comment on the topics under discussion Albus Dumbledore is known to. Continued on page three, column two. Um, So we mentioned it in episode... One or mm-hmm. not, it's not an episode two, one chapter one, um, that the ministry is trying to get Harry on their side, and so like that's what they're talking to Dumbledore about, and Dumbledore's like, "You thought why would I do that? This is like a terrible idea." Yeah, essentially. Um, and then there's another paper. Um, which had been folded so that a story bearing the title "Ministry Guarantees Student Safety" was visible. Um, and it says, newly appointed Minister of Magic Rufus Scrimger spoke today of the tough new measures taken by his ministry to ensure the safety of the students returning to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft, with, mm, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry this um, autumn. For obvious reasons, the ministry will not be going into detail about the stringent new security plans of the minister, although an insider confirmed the measures include defensive spells and charms, a complex array of counter curses, and a small task force of ours dedicated solely to protection of Hogwarts School. I just feel like when... You're in a situation, I know journalism and everything and like telling the truth, but maybe don't put that in the, yeah, like you state safety and then be like, well, an insider told us that these are the things that are happening. And that just seems like, even though it's not as, it's not super specific, it's still dumb. Yeah. I also like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. I'll come back to yeah. a thought <laughs> <laughs> or a feeling. That's fine. <laughs> um, most seemed assured that by the new minister's tough stand on student safety, said Mrs. Augusta Longbottom. Oh, wait, actually, I did have one other thing before we get into uh, Mrs. Longbottom. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, it's always been said, like, Hogwarts is the safest place, right? Like, there's no place safer than Hogwarts. Which um, has always been debatable as well. But yes. Which is debatable. <laughs> well, actually, when you think about the other places... <laughs> It's, there's nowhere safer in the wizarding world than Hogwarts, and that bar is very, very low. It's very low. It's low. It, it shouldn't be the case. Um, or it should be the case, but it should be higher. And so it's interesting to see, like, especially after all the, like, oversteps and, like, oversight that the Ministry had on Hogwarts last year. Um, and even just, like, when they put Dementors around it in Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. it's interesting now to see, like, a different kind of approach. Um... But also, I would like to know more about the ministry security and what they're doing for that. Yeah. Because I feel like that's probably the main concern, considering they just had a bunch of Death Eaters and Voldemort break in, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because this is definitely one of those things where um, it seems like it's, it's, it's definitely written <laughs> for Harry Potter. <laughs> But, like, mm-hmm. if this is actually, like, the newspaper of record for the Wizarding World, like the New York Times or something, they would definitely be more worried about the security at the ministry than they would be at a school because the right. ministry is where, you know, it's the head of government. So, um, it's, yeah, yeah. good good yeah. spot. Um, so, said Mrs. Augusta Longbottom, my grandson Neville, a good friend of Harry Potter's, incidentally, who fought with the Death Eaters alongside him in the ministry in June, and, um, and then it gets cut off by Hedwig's birdcage, but looks how, it looks like Augusta trying to be proud of Neville now. Which is also, like, I'm glad that you finally are proud of your grandson, but, like, this is not, one- Couldn't have taken all this- not it shouldn't have taken all of this too. This is not the place. Like, you don't need to be feeling like he was in the ministry with Harry Potter. Like, because what you're also doing is putting a very big mark on your grandson's back with the Death Eaters. Like, mm-hmm. he down with Harry Potter and him. Like, you can find him at Hogwarts. Like, no, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> like, Neville is like, watch your back, Neville. Keep your head on the swivel, because Grandma out here reckless. Just telling all your business. All your business. Because she's proud and she want to brag. Um, Not a good look. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, then there's Hedwig, uh, who is awake, and uh, clicking her beak impatiently at Harry. I think, yeah, she's just over it. She probably wants some food. Probably trying to get out. The, actually, she's trying to get out the cage. Um... So then a large trunk slid in the middle of the room. Its lid was open and looked expectant, but it was almost empty except for a residue of old underwear, sweets, empty ink bottles, and broken quills um, that coated the very bottom. I am concerned. And, I've, and I'm less, like, because you were bringing up, like, um, like, Harry's depression and how that kind of has a play in, like, his cleanliness or whatever. Mm-hmm. But some of this stuff is from, like, years ago. And so it makes me think that he just never cleans the bottom of his trunk and just throws stuff on top of it every year. That's Yeah, I'm just, I'm talking more about, like... No, I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about the trunk specifically. Because even when you are, like, I'm not a clean person. (laughs) Sounds weird to say, but I'm not. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to, like, 
present well enough that I don't need everybody and their mama to know I'm not a clean person. <laughs> like, but I have, I, like, Yeah, but I shame. think also, yeah. And I think there's a difference, too, between, like, having, like, a messy room, right, versus, like, when you're packing a suitcase to go somewhere. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I live out of, I will live out of a suitcase. Right. Until the next time I have to go somewhere. Same. Like, <laughs> but when it's time to actually, like, unpack, and I get in this moment, Harry's not, like, like, it'll explain that he's, like, hasn't packed because he's, um, in denial, kind of. Yeah, and that makes sense. But it just seems like a lot of this stuff, again, is for, like, even just packing to go home from Hogwarts. Yeah. It just, or, like, you know, occasionally, like, clearing out just the bottom. Because I think in uh, Deathly Hollows at the beginning, he starts clearing it out. And some of that shit is from, like, years before even this time. Yeah. And it's just been there. And it's like, yo. Yeah. Just got ink on everything because you never cleaned it up but it's fine we all know um and the chat brought up that uh wash is very important to me so and they used my button yeah which you know it's a good button you talked about making pins that didn't exist so i made one for you (laughs) lied about having pins (laughs) we had theoretical pins um Okay, so there's, um, on the floor is a purple leaflet, um, with the words issued on the behalf of the Ministry of Magic, protecting your home and family against dark forces. Um, so it says that the wizarding community is currently under threat from an organization calling itself the Death Eaters. Observing the follow the following simple security guidelines will help protect you, your family, and your home from attack. Um... So number one, you are not advised to leave the house alone. And number two, particular care should be taken during the hours of darkness. Whenever possible, arrange to complete journeys before night has fallen. Um, those two sound very much like just being a woman in, in life. life. But <laughs> it's like, well, you know, okay. Sometimes, you know, cool. you need the extra. Sometimes there are wizard Nazis running around trying to kill muggles. So, so it bees that way. So you just need some extra protection, you know? Yeah. I think the funniest thing about this for me is like it is so like you said, like it's just it's like to me it's like duh. <laughs> but I guess because I'm mm-hmm. a woman in regular life. I'm like, would you be doing this shit anyway? <laughs> like, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not about that life. No. Not even in the least. Um Number three, review the security arrangements around your house, making sure that all family members are aware of emergency measures such as shield and disillusionment charms, and in the case of underage family members, side-along apparition. Um, So, again, that immediately makes it very difficult for muggle-born household, or households with muggle-borns in them, and just general, or like muggle-raised people in them and other Mm -hmm. muggles to do this. Which, remember... Under Ooh, like Voldemort's going after, going after first. Right, because Hermione can't make these protections without them coming t- telling her that she's violating the statute of secrecy because she's underage. Which is and like a problem, but it's yeah. also like really so, frustrating. I think as well that they're they're not going. This is like a little socialism, I guess, but. They're not going to, they're not sending, like, representatives of the ministry out to, like, go make sure some of these things are done, you know? Right. Like, when, right. when Flint fucked up the water, 
they had to send water bottles because people couldn't drink the water. You know, like, that's isn't that your job at this point to make sure that your constituents have all of the necessary precautions? Mm-hmm. And if they're muggle-born, that you go and make sure that they have, that you put precautions on their homes? Right. Like, you have to, because, uh, like, who is coming after, unless you're, like, a strong, unless you're, like, a Weasley. Yeah. Who is coming after you as a wizard? Right. Like, yeah, it's just, it's it's really frustrating. Um, Portia, Shady Portia says in the chat that heads of houses should offer their services for Muggleborns, which I think, like, yeah, but I also think it's not, like, the teacher's responsibility to do that. It's the government. Yeah. And, like, I mean, they, they probably should just, you know, take it into your own hands because, obviously, the like, government's the not doing so it, but... But but it really should, that should be a part of, like, maybe not the R's, but some part of, like, magical law enforcement or um, just, like, it, it really, honestly, is important to protect the statute of secrecy. All of it, like, they, whatever. We've gotten into how their um, quest to preserve the statute of secrecy ends up with them making really dumbass decisions. Yes. That actually make things. Guess worse. what, guys? Um, good, good, good. It, it it continues. Keeps. Going. We got consistency. Uh, number <laughs> number four. Agree on security questions with close friends and family, so as to detect Death Eaters masquerading as others by use of the Polyjuice Potion. I want to start two. now. I want to petition now that we start talking about how dumb some of these questions are, and how mm-hmm. they could be better. Mm-hmm. Because. They're not great. Even the, like, what's the Grindylow one that um, Remus does to me is, like, not great. (laughs) Like, Well, I think it's a good one, but it only works if you have a steel trap of a mind. Or, like, it just seems, like, very convenient that Harry remembers that. Yeah. And it's something that you would have to, like, agree upon versus, like, oftentimes when we actually see it. They're doing it in, like, the heat of the moment. In real time. Yeah, they don't have a a moment to be like, hey, Harry, let me pull you aside. Let's come up with our security questions. They just pull it out with the wand to you, and it's like, oh, shit, I don't know. It was, there was a tank, and it had little thingies, (laughs) like, little tentacle thingies. It's, like, it's literally having someone hold a gun to your head and be like, which member of NSYNC is your favorite? J.C. Chazé, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I don't... I feel like that would be easier for you. Which but. member of NSYNC is the best member of NSYNC? JC, eight octave range. It's the only correct answer. Everyone would get that right. It's not a good question. Okay. Um, <laughs> so in the chat, um, Maggie says that it's so Maggie. obvious here that the ministry doesn't really care about muggles, not taking the time to inform muggle-borns what to do. Um, Delia says that schools shouldn't have to fill in for the ad- inadequacies of the government, but someone's got to do something. Um, and then Laurel says that they're more worried about wizards getting recruited than muggles getting killed. Right. Um, here's the other thing, though, is a lot of these things to me kind of also, like, seem really, like, they would just increase conspiracies and, like, Hotep Ernie is getting his life somewhere right now. <laughs> because... Because they're, I think they are, you're right that they are more worried about recruiting wizards, but that's not that difficult because the wizards have to like already 
buy into that political stance in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Peter Pettigrew would just be very cowardly and and have no sense of actual like strategy or, you know, leaving the country. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so these guidelines are a problem, but even if that is their goal is to like slow down muggle recruitment or wizarding recruitment to the Death Eaters, like I don't think that this is the right way to do it either. So they fail on that account as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number five, should you feel that a family member, colleague, friend, or neighbor is acting in a strange manner, contact the magical law enforcement squad at once. They may have been put under the imperious curse. See page four. Six, should the dark mark appear over any dwelling place or other building, do not enter but contact the RR office immediately. And while that seems obvious, I know plenty of Gryffindors who would run into that place. So I feel like you just got to put it in there just in case. Yeah. Um, and then seven unconfirmed sightings suggest that Death Eaters may now be using Infer- Inferi. Um, what are those? Sorry. They're basically zombies. No, I know, but I just... <laughs> they're magical zombies. Basically, a no from me. It's a no from me, dog. Um, when does she, are. like, really go into it, though? Because the other thing about, like, you were saying... She goes into it in, uh, I think, I think possibly in the next chapter. Yeah. Um, Dumbledore Because Dumb- Harry asked Dumbledore. Yeah. But, like, the other part about this, too, about obviously being not written for Muggleborns or for, Mugg- like... Yeah, Muggleborns is that like what are what is that what is what is what like context please? Right. And I mean, it says see page ten, so I'm assuming there's a better description. But and like who knows? Maybe Harry just read the first the first page or whatever. Who knows? When we asks, all know that Harry. When he does read. ask Dumbledore, though, <laughs> like it doesn't seem like it was helpful. Like whatever the description was was helpful. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but also, we all know Harry yeah. ain't reading that. Right. Same. Um, Couldn't even do his occlumency homework. But I'm not bitter. (laughs) He can't do his occlumency homework. He can't even do the homework he's about to get. He's not a homework person. Um, Any sighting of an inferior or encounter with same should be reported to the ministry immediately. Um, So again, just muggle-borns are shit out of luck. Right. Basically, is what's happening. Um, So Harry's still asleep. It's one minute to 11. Um, Beside... Or in Harry's relaxed hand was a piece of parchment covered in thin, slanting, slanting writing. Um, Harry had read the letter so often since his arrival three days ago um, that although it had been delivered in a tightly furled scroll, it now scroll sorry it now laid quite flat. Mm-hmm. Dear Harry, if it is convenient to you, I shall call at number four Privet Drive this coming Friday at eleven p.m. to escort you to the borough where you have been invited to spend the remainder of your school holidays. That's really late to be picking somebody up, but I know Dumbledore's a... Sorry. He's a busy person. My but. best friend just texted me, because it's sync day, and there's a lot of sync oh. stuff going on. And she's like, what did you think of your husband's hair? Will y'all leave me alone? I liked it, okay? I think he looks handsome <laughs> and debonair, and I think he can, he can pull off anything. But also, he's my husband. We've been going you through this shit him. since I was... Eight years old. Yikes. So, back up off us and our love. This has been a public service announcement 
from me to all y'all hating ass hoes. Continue. Um, all I was gonna say was that 11 p.m. is past my bedtime, so that's all. <laughs> and apparently Harry's too, because he's passed out. Um, I have been since having a child in the shape of a dog. Because, you know, since Luna entered my life, 11 is about the time I have to go down as well. I mean, I don't go to sleep until midnight or later, but past 11 a.m., I'm not, you're not asking, you're not going to have me get out. I'm not leaving anywhere. I'm already in bed at the very least. Right. Like, you ask me to go anywhere after nine o'clock, unless it's to see a Marvel movie. The answer is no. <laughs> I was about to say, because you were definitely... No, that's the only time. But then again, because of the way the East Coast works, it was only really like 9 o'clock our time. True. Very true. Work. My whole sleep schedule was fucked up that whole time because of the flights, too. Yeah. So, like, who knows? I didn't Girl, know what time it was. <laughs> I woke up with my hand literally in the... in the, the you See this? Like, that, that position? Because mm-hmm. I was texting my boss that I was going to be a little late because I could not wake up. When I, la- I landed, and then we were stuck on the tarmac, so I didn't get off the plane until 1 a.m. our time, mm-hmm. and I didn't get home, or not not 1 a.m., sorry, uh, 12, 15, and then I didn't get home until, like, 1. Shit. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. No, I got home in a decent amount of time, but then I was talking to my sister, and so I didn't go to bed until 1. Of course you were. Yeah. But, Yes. Anyway, if you are agreeable, I should also be glad of your assistance in the matter to which I hope um, to attend on the way to the borough. Again, it's past, like, everyone's bedtime. Why don't you do that, like, in the daytime with <laughs> the sunlight and shit? Um, I shall explain this more fully when I see you. Kindly send your le- answer by return of this owl. Hoping to see you this Friday. I am yours most sincerely, Albus Dumbledore. Um... So, Harry had been stealing glances at this missive every few minutes since 7 o'clock that evening when he had first taken up position beside his bedroom window. Um, So, he is, like, ready to be out. The one time Harry is constantly vigilant. At 7 p.m. for the professor who is fine. He's not constantly vigilant with the thought that Voldemort might show up at any moment or a notorious mm -hmm. mass murderer, Sirius Black or Death Eaters, but when Albus Dumbledore is going to come pick him up, you I mean, you, you stay know, ready. it's a motivator. He said, four hours ahead, I'm ready. But not really ready. Yes, because he fell asleep and he... Um, and- he had sent back his yes. Either Dumbledore was going to come or not. Um, and, but he wasn't ready. He was sitting there for four hours instead mm-hmm. of packing. Um... Because it seemed too good to be true that he was going to be rescued from Dursley after a mere fortnight of their company. Um, fortnight, so, two weeks. Right. But also, really quickly, I just realized, um, maybe it's been three weeks or so since the ministry, because after the ministry, they were at Hogwarts for a, little, for a bit. Yeah. Um, so maybe at this point, it's been like three or so weeks. Um, but also, he can't believe it, because after last year, where he literally didn't hear anything from anyone for at least a month... Because of Dumbledore. Because of, well, yeah, because of Dumbledore. But also just generally, like, it's because of Dumbledore and then this time immediately hearing something from Dumbledore, like, I'm coming to get you. He's like, I don't really know what to 
like make of this. Yeah, and what to trust. Um, he couldn't shrug off the feeling that something was going to go wrong, um, and Harry hadn't been able to face packing and then being let down and having to unpack again. So all he's done so far is put Hedwig in her cage. Um, What's really sad about that is it sounds about. like a kid who's like got a deadbeat father who just keeps waiting by the door right. to go to Disneyland, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to doesn't want to hope, but like can't help still but hope. Kind of hoping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So Hedwig is annoyed though, um, because she needs to be practicing her. Um, you know, she has her some routine and some shit like for her label and. She has stuff coming up, mm-hmm. and Harry got her locked in this goddamn cage. Right. He's like, um, I I stay in this cage as a courtesy to you, but you're about to mess up my music career, and it's not okay. Nope. Nope. Um, so the minute hand on the alarm clock reached the number 12, and at the precise moment, the street lamp outside the window went out because Dumbledore does not believe in CPT. I just feel like, you know, 11 should really mean 11.15 if you're going to do that. But also maybe not. It should really mean 7 p.m. because that's a decent time to pick someone up from their house. Right. So. But I think he, I honestly think that Dumbledore also kind of wanted to fuck with the Dursleys. Oh, absolutely. And that is why he's the best Yeah, for this chapter. <laughs> Which we're about to get to. So, um, Harry awoke um, suddenly um, and he saw a tall figure in a long billowing cloak. Hey, a cloak? A cloak. A cloak. Are you sure that doesn't say three-piece suit? Read it again. No, it says cloak. Are you sure? Three-piece, three-piece suits don't billow. Well... You don't have your glasses on, so it's fine. It makes mm-hmm. sense that you may have read, read three-piece suit instead of yeah. cloak. Well, I just was under the impression that Dumbledore was really much like a fan of the three-piece suit and really eschewed popular wizarding fashion to go a little bit more like muggle. He likes to give you some like muggle realness. Some like, I am like serving, he's serving 90s fish and you i understand why you might think that but you would be mistaken okay yeah yeah um so harry jumped up as though he received an electric shock started snatching any and everything within reach from the floor and throwing it into the trunk um and then as he lobbed a set of robes two spell books and a packet of crisps across the room um the doorbell rang um, downstairs, Uncle Vernon shouted, Who in the blazes is calling at this time of night? Harry froze with a brass telescope in one hand and a pair of trainers in the other. He had completely forgotten to warn the Dursleys that Dumbledore might be coming. Feeling both panicky and close to laughter, he clambered over his trunk and wrenched open the bedroom door in time to hear um, Dumbledore's voice. But I love that he forgot. Like, he wasn't trying to be shady. Right. He forgot, and then he was like, oh, Oops. this is going to be good. <laughs> Oops, but also, yay, I'm about to get these jokes off. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I'm ready. Um, So then Dumbledore says, good evening. You must be Mr. Dursley. I dare say Harry has told you I would be coming for him. Harry ran down the stairs, two at a time, and came to an abrupt halt several steps from the bottom, as long experience had taught him to remain out of arm's reach of Uncle Vernon uh, whenever possible. So, you know, we have kind of seen his... um, 
I guess evolution might be the word of like his interactions with the Dursleys and how he's kind of, you know, he starts talking back. He starts like not really standing for a lot of their stuff, Mm -hmm. but he still has like physical, um, and like, he kind of makes note of certain things like, okay, let me not get too close to him (laughs) because he might swing out and smack me or try to choke me or some like wild shit. Like he still has to deal with this like Abuse. abuse that he's had to like go through for 15 or so years at this point. Yeah. Um, so the yeah, fact so that he like there, knows like oh sorry so i'm just like piggybacking up the fact that he knows like where to stand he's thought like he's obviously been, he's thought about this mm-hmm. is a reason and even if he hasn't like consciously thought about it he's definitely like all right i'm here you know what i mean yeah. like even if he hasn't thought about it before it's like it's like a kind of involuntary like un like subconscious like thing yeah yeah um, so Dumbledore is wearing a long black traveling cloak. A what? A cloak. Oh, and it just seems so out of character. As well. And a pointed hat. I just, I can't, him. it doesn't seem believable to me. Hmm. It's well, like they didn't you know. do any research about what Dumbledore would wear as a character. <laughs> and I just feel like it's just ruining, it's like the suspension of disbelief only goes so far. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, like, I, I tend to go with what the book says. You can't just put Dumbledore in so. a cloak when he's obviously been a Mark Jacobs wearing man his whole <laughs> life. At the very least, since the 20s. At least. <laughs> Does he at least have, like, a nice bowler hat on? No, he's on a pointed hat. No, see, that doesn't make any sense to me. No? Mm-mm. Hmm. Interesting. It feels... By chance, by any chance, are you the uh, costume designer for Fantastic Beasts? Or? I didn't want to, like, spoil the surprise, but <laughs> yeah. I got a new job, guys. Super exciting. <laughs> Put wizards in muggle clothing for fun. Because <laughs> I'm a troll. Yeah. I can't see. He's that way. And my eyes hurt. Um. Uh. Okay. So, judging by your look of stunned disbelief, Harry did not warn you that I was coming," said Dumbledore <laughs> pleasantly. However, let us assume that you have invited me warmly into your house. It is unwise to linger over long on doorsteps in these troubled times. <laughs> my favorite thing about this let us is assume. that he was like, not only was it like okay, yeah, I'm going to go pick up Harry, drop him at the burrow. I got some stuff I need him to help me out with. But also, I never had a talk with the Dursleys. Let's have some fun. Right. Um, so he just steps into the the uh, house and closes the front door behind him. Now, um, last, or two chapters ago, we saw um, someone in the magical world just, like, coming into someone in the muggle world's space and taking over and I was not here for it and I don't want to seem like a hypocrite but also I'm very much here for this yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm very much here for it I'm me too it's the Dursleys <laughs> it is the um Dursleys. so oh it is 
uh, a long time since my last visit, said Dumbledore. I must say, your agapanthus are flourishing. <laughs> like, dude. I love it. Please. Um, Vernon didn't say anything. Um, but something about Dumbledore, and he looked like he was angry. He had a vein pulsing in his temple, but something about Dumbledore seemed to have robbed him of temporary breath. Um, it might have been the blatant wizardishness of his appearance, but it might too have been that even Uncle Vernon could sense that this was a man whom um, it would be very difficult to bully. Ah, good evening, Harry, said Dumbledore. Excellent, excellent. And these words seemed to rouse Harry because any man who could look at Harry and say excellent was a man with whom he could never see eye to eye. (laughs) I don't mean to be rude, he began. Yet, sadly, accidental rudeness occurs alarmingly often. Best to say nothing at all, my dear man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, Amani, I know you're probably going through it, but I love him. It's great. Stan. Shade King. Our faves are problematic, but guess what else? They're shady as fuck, and I live. Yep, it's awesome. Uh, ah, and this must be Petunia. Ooh! Um, really quickly, really sorry, just in the chat. Um, so. Oh, Amani's talking about how you just inviting somebody, or how you just inviting yourself into my house. Get your manners together, Albus. But I just feel like. Vernon wasn't on his well. Shit Portia said he's not a vampire. But he's a wizard, not a vampire. He can do whatever he wants. Right. To which Imani doesn't. He's not sure. Imani <laughs> um, thinks Dumbledore Portia might says, be a vampire. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna skip Portia's because that's feelings that we don't need yet. We don't need it. Delia though says that I love Shady Dumbledore, and but the question remains: Why is he not have this conversation slash visit until now? Woo. That is a valid question. Um, Yeah. And not to pick him up, but just to say like, hey, uh, abuse, not cool fam, take better care of him. That's also what Delia said. Um, And yeah, that is very true. true. The one part of the fanfic that shall not be named that I really did fuck with was um, when Harry kind of was like, you left me there. In that place. Right. And Portrait Dumbledore was like, yeah, you know, my bad. Sometimes, sometimes shit happens. You know what you gotta do? You know, blood magic. This is what happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was trying to save your life for the long game. Right. And shit. Um, so Petunia shows up, um, like, in a rubber glove, in rubber gloves and a house coat over her nightdress, um, because she's cleaning up. Albus Dumbledore said, uh, he said, we have corresponded, of course, and Harry thought this was an odd way of reminding Petunia that he had sent her an exploding letter, but Petunia did not challenge the term. And this must be your son, Dudley. Because he does more than send her an exploding letter. He also sent her a very kind letter telling her... Three. They have corresponded thrice. Right. Wait. Mm-hmm. First time was, uh, sorry. Sorry, my dear, not, you a muggle. You're not magical. And then the second time was, here's sorry, your sister's uh, sister died. Here's a baby. And then, and then the it third was, time was, bitch, sorry, I said what I said. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, guys. So, I had to move back to the <laughs> no light section of the couch. but Oh, it actually doesn't look bad. At least. 
for now. Um, uh, okay, so Dudley Hood at that moment peered around the living room door, um, his mouth gaping in astonishment and fear. Dumbledore waited a moment or two, apparently to see whether the Dursleys were going to say anything, but at the silent stretch, as the silence stretched on, he smiled. Shall we assume that you've invited me into your sitting room? And then Dumbledore passes him, and Harry follows. Um, aren't we leaving, sir? said Harry. Yes, indeed we are, but there are a few matters we need to discuss first, and I would prefer not to do so in the open. We shall trespass on your um, aunt and uncle's hospitality only a little longer. You will, will you? Yes, said Dumbledore. I shall. <laughs> yes, he shall. Um, so he drew his wand, um, and with a casual flick, the sofa zoomed forward and knocked the knees out under all three Dursleys so that they collapsed upon it in a heap. Another flick of his wand, and the sofa zoomed back to its original position. We may as well be comfortable, he said. Um, Harry notices that Dumbledore's hand is blackened and shriveled and looks as though the flesh had been burned away. So keep that in mind. Um, Harry starts to ask about it, but he says later, Harry, um, and then asks him to sit down. Um, I would assume that you were going to offer me refreshment, Dumbledore said to Uncle Vernon, but the evidence so far suggests that that would be optimistic to the point of foolishness. And so he conjures up um, some oak-matured mead, pours glasses for everyone. Um, I live. The, it's great. The Dursleys try to ignore it, but their um, glasses are nudging them gently on the sides of their heads. Harry could not suppress a suspicion that Dumbledore was rather enjoying himself. As of course he, he is. Of course he was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also love that he not only, like, conjured up the things, but the mugs, but made the mugs, like, nudge, like, just makes them as, as uncomfortable as possible. Not like, let me just conjure up some regular teacups. Tea mugs, teacups, teacups. Mm-hmm. Teacups. Yeah, but let, let me also give them a little extra flavor. So you don't forget. <laughs> right. I bet Amani never thought he'd be out here defending the Dursleys, but his oh, wow. hatred for Dumbledore runs very strong. That's, that is what's happening. <laughs> um, so Maggie brings up a point that I actually did think about, but then didn't write down for some reason. Um, she was wondering, like, how did the ministry or does the ministry know not to track Dumbledore's magic? He didn't inform, did he inform the ministry beforehand that he was going to be at Harry's, um, at, like, at the Dursleys? Sorry. Um, and I haven't thought too, but then I assumed that because Dumbledore is there, if they were to send something, he'd be like, well, I was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, since he is the headmaster of Hogwarts, but that does bring up, like, just generally, um, even when, even in the, uh, what's it called in Goblet of Fire when uh Arthur has to do, do magic to correct Dudley's tongue and like Harry doesn't get a uh like any kind of letter or anything that time when there's magic done in the house but then he does like third year and fifth year so it's just not really clear how things work in terms of tracking um but maybe there's a way to, like, register and maybe you have to let the ministry know when you're going to get someone who's muggle-raised or something. Or muggle-born. Yeah, I wonder. Be using magic. But, I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, Amani says that he's assuming that he knows the ministry is trying too hard to win over Harry to threaten him with letters. Um, they're covering, they're covering for him again, like they did in Prisoner of Azkaban. So like, they're not going to be like, oh, you're expelled when they want him to be on, on, side. His, on their side. That makes sense. Harry yeah. Potter. I mean, we've said this so many times, like the Dursleys are trash, but thank God he grew up outside of the wizarding world because he went one in his third year, like you can't do no wrong to his fifth year. Like all you can do is wrong to back to his sixth year. If you can't do no wrong, like the yeah. rules are not constant for him at all. And that is very confusing mm-hmm. for like someone growing up. Cause you need to have structure. Mm-hmm. You need to have like a routine. You need to like, I mean, not that Harry like understands consequences or pays attention to them at all, but maybe he would have had they been more, you know, consistent so yeah yeah true i don't know um so well harry said dumbledore a difficult uh a difficulty has arisen and i'm hoping you'll be able to solve for us um by us i mean the order of the phoenix but first i must tell you that sirius's will was discovered a week ago and that he left you everything he owned um i know (laughs) Um, over on the sofa, um, Uncle Vernon's head turned, but Harry didn't look at him, and he said, oh, right. This is, in the main, fairly straightforward. You add a reasonable amount of gold to your account at Gringotts, um, and you inherit all of Sirius's personal possessions, the slightly problematic part of the legacy. His godfather's dead, said Uncle Vernon loudly. He's dead? His godfather? Dude, are you serious? Like... But also, like, your relationship is so bad that you don't know this, but also no one, no adult makes sure to tell them. Like, at the ministry right. or whatever. Right. Or at Hogwarts. Like, I just, like... But then I also wonder, like... And this is, this is less of a, this is less of a, like, the, like, with the Dursley specifically. Because, again, nobody told those muggle parents when their kids were petrified. petrified. I know, but, like, that, and that's the thing, right? So, when you go through something at school, so, this is touchy, but we were kind of just talking about this. When um, I was in high school, we had a on-campus shooter. Like, no one got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were on lockdown for, like, four hours or five hours. And they all, they had, they called all of the parents and then they had like trauma counselors available or at least like they didn't come to the school but they had like these are like where you can go to get like like our trauma counseling and then when you do have like an active shooter because we unfortunately someone another um high school in our district had one maybe like the same year the year before I'm not sure um they did the same thing and we weren't, it wasn't even our school. It was like the, the district and we knew, and I know for a fact that they brought grief counselors on campus mm-hmm. to that school. Um, and those are muggles, but still like something happened that might affect your child. And also they're a child. So we can't trust that they're going to like properly explain to you what happened or if they're going to tell yeah. you at all. And I wonder if because it's the Dursleys, Dumbledore or whoever makes these decisions, because maybe it's a ministry thing, maybe it's a school thing, it's not really clear. 
um, at least in the books, like maybe they assumed that Harry wouldn't want to tell the Dursleys. Like it's not something that the Dursleys would even really care about. And like, you know what I mean? Because that's also part of it too, is like the Dursleys are also garbage humans. So maybe if he had like better guardians. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes, said Harry. I mean, sorry, said Dumbledore. Our problem, he continued to Harry, is that Sirius also let, left you number number 12 Grimaud Place. He's been left a house, said Uncle Vernon greedily. Like, dude, shut up. They got nothing to do with you. Mind your business. You can keep using it as headquarters, said Harry. I don't care. You can have it. I don't really want it. Um, Harry never wanted to step foot in number 12 Grimaud Place again if he could help it. That is generous, said Dumbledore. We have, however, vacated the building temporarily um, because um, bl- the Black family tradition decreed that the house be handed down the direct line to the next male within the na- with the name of Black. Sirius was the very last of the line as his younger brother, Regulus, predeceased him uh, and both were childless. Um, while his will makes it perfectly plain that he wants you to have the house, it is nevertheless possible that some spell or enchantment has been set upon the place to ensure that it cannot be owned by anyone other than a pureblood. Um, and Harry recalls Walburga, the portrait of Walburga Black, screaming about shame of my flesh, half-bloods, filth, and all. And, and though Harry comes from two wizarding parents, he is technically a half-blood because his mother is muggle-born. Yep. Even though none of this is real and it's all fake and stupid. But yes. Well, yeah, you know, it's a social construct. Right. Um, I just want to, you know, make sure to remind you guys the blood mm-hmm. status is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Um, and Double R says, if such an enchantment exists, um, then the ownership of the house is most likely to pass to the eldest of Sirius's living relatives, which would mean his cousin Bellatrix the Strange. So she um, is the oldest, like you said, but still yeah. acts like a fucking a ch- I mean, a child. Yeah. Um, no, said Harry. Well, obviously we prefer that she didn't get it either. The situation is fraught with complications. Um, but they there's a simple test um, to know if he owns the house. Um... But before Dumbledore can continue, Uncle Vernon shouts, will you get these ruddy things off of us? Um, Harry looked around and all three Dursleys were cowering with their arms over their heads as their glasses bounced up and down on their skulls, their contents flying everywhere. Oh, I'm so sorry, said Dumbledore politely, but it would have been much better manners to drink it, you know. (laughs) So then he, um, so Dumbledore vanishes the glasses and moves on. You see, said Dumbledore, uh, if you have inherited the house, you've also inherited. And he waves his wand for a fifth time and Creature appears. Which is um, rude AF to magic a sentient being to your side without, like, consent. Yes, but... And this is in world, not my actual thoughts. It's a house elf, and so I'm sure it's not considered rude because I'm sure right. it's like part of the thing. Right. But yeah, my actual thoughts is the fuck. That's rude. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it totally is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
so creature is is there. Creature won't. Creature won't. Creature won't. He's uh, screaming. Uh, creature belongs to Miss Bellatrix. Oh yes, creature belongs to the Blacks. Creature wants his new mistress. Creature won't go to the Potter brat. Creature won't. 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 As you can see, Harry, creature isn't showing a, is showing a certain reluctance to pass into your ownership. I don't care. I don't want him," said Harry. Would you prefer him to pass to the ownership of Bellatrix Lestrange? Lestrange, bearing in mind that he has lived at the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix for the past year. Um, and Harry looks at Creature and knows that, or looks at Dumbledore and knows that he can't let that happen. Um, you give him an order. If he is passed into your ownership, he will have to obey. Um, and so Harry tells Creature to shut up because he keeps screaming that he won't, won't, won't. It uh, looked for a moment, moment as though Creature was going to choke. Um, he grabbed his throat, his mouth still working furiously, his eyes bulging. After a few seconds of frantic gulping, he threw himself face forward onto the carpet and beat the floor with his hands and feet, giving himself over to a violent but entirely silent tantrum. Um, well, that simplifies matters, said Dumbledore. You are the rightful owner of number 12, Grimald Place, and of Creature. So... I don't like it. Um, no, I wish that we could just dead this whole house elf thing. But apparently we can't. Um, what, one of my biggest issues with this, and I feel like um, we talked about it. It was a long time ago at this point because um, it was during Goblet of Fire. But in our Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare oh, uh, bonus episode, um, we were talking just one of my, I think I might have mentioned it, like the fact that. And this is, like, obviously it's happening through Dumbledore, but J.K. Rowling is making it so that Harry is a slave owner. Yeah. And, like, I've had issues with, like, obviously the Malfoys and Sirius and um, the Crouches and even the House Elves at Hogwarts. Like, these are all issues. But then to, like, forcibly make your main character have to, like, own this House Elf um, is gross. And also, like, super... And also just, like, especially after all that shit that Hermione is going on about... um, spew and it's not being taken seriously and then all of a sudden Harry like owns a house elf now and the only reason he doesn't want it is because it had a hand in Sirius's death but not necessarily because like he doesn't want a house elf yeah he doesn't see that as a problem so yeah 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 <laughs> It's I just, it's just. I also feel like there's not very much more to say because I feel like we covered a lot of it and most of it when we were doing Goblet of Fire and probably some of Chamber of Secrets too. But like, it's just every time it just makes me feel icky and I feel like we could have not. We definitely and, and, like have. It's yeah. Sh- we should. You should go check out the bonus episode if you haven't. But we definitely are now just kind of stuck. With this idea that wasn't fully fleshed out or thought through. Well, it's like, it's one, it's like the thing where like, so for example, so we talk about the Ministry of Magic and like how it is a reflection and also kind of like perpetuates um, a lot of like pure blood beliefs and like systems. And it's kind of what helps Voldemort rise to power both times. Um, But while we're like, 
in some ways reading into the book and like surmising that it is also there and it's there as a critique of governments that are complicit in like societal oppression and harm right with the house elves that's not the case um like it doesn't seem like jk rowling as like the author and like as you know the writer of this book sees that as a societal issue and like attacks it in that way um i think that she attempts to in goblet of fire when Hermione is um, kind of like campaigning against it. But even when she's doing that, no one else is there to take her seriously except Remus. And we don't even really get to see that conversation. Um, And it's like very obviously like what in, in order of the Phoenix, when she starts knitting the sweaters and the hats and all that shit, like it's obviously like comic relief. It's like, Oh, there goes Hermione being like righteously um, like all about social justice again. Um, but not actually thinking about like why what she's doing is problematic in ways that she could be better, like, and not even showing her improve in any kind of way. It's just like, there she goes running around, um, with that torch, like, as opposed to thinking of like, no, this is actually slavery. Um, these house elves have like, not because like Harry orders creature to shut up and instead of just like being quiet. There is, like, a magical, like, a physical, a visceral reaction that creature has that forces him to be quiet. It's not just him being like, okay, yeah, I'll be quiet. You know what I mean? So, like, having, like, presenting it as a thing and it being bad because, you know, the Malfoys and Dobby doesn't want to be there and and he's, like, owner, he's owned by the Malfoys and they're obviously bad. Like, presenting it as that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is bad. And then you get to Goblet of Fire and it's like, well, everyone does it. So it's fine. And now it's everyone does it. So now Harry's doing it. And it's just like not. Yeah. yeah. And Portia wants to remind you that when she went to um, the Wizarding World in Florida, there is a house elf agency that we do not have answers for why they added that to the ambiance of Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. Is it a and temp like, agency yeah. or is it a glorified slave block. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so I got my house self rant out of the way. Um, so, for now. Until we get to Hepzibah Smith, which Portia just reminded me of. Ugh. Uh, God. Y'all. I just want justice for the house elves. I just want them to like run off of the pages of this book and like go hang out in a forest somewhere and like ignore all the wizards for the end of time, till the end of time. Drunk wizard history. Also write that fanfic. Thanks. Um, so, uh, so Dumbledore says that um or no so harry says asks do i have to keep him with me and dumbledore says not if you don't want to um you could send him to hogwarts to work in the kitchen there and that way the other house elves will be able to keep an eye on him yeah said harry yeah i'll do that uh creature i want you to go to hogwarts and work in the kitchens there with the other house elves um so creature vanishes good said dumbledore there's also the matter of the hippogriff buckbeak hagrid has been looking after him since sirius died but buckbeak is yours now so if you prefer to make different arrangements no, said Harry. He can stay with Hagrid. I think Buckbeak will, would prefer that. Hagrid will be delighted, said Dumbledore. He was thrilled to see Buckbeak again. Incidentally, we have d- decided to um, rechristen him Witherwings 
for the time being, although I doubt the ministry would ever guess he's the hippogriff they once sentenced, sentenced to death. Um, and now it it's just, time to go. It's so complicated for no reason. It's very complicated. The ministry can't even keep the Dementors running the prison, which was a bad idea, but the only idea that they had at the time. They got bridges collapsing and ministry officials in top positions getting murked. But yeah, mm-hmm. let's focus on calling him Weatherwings. Just yeah, it's important. priorities, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you can have a throwaway line of like, I doubt it's necessary, but we decided to do it anyway. Like, shut up. Yeah. yeah. I felt the need to share that and get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Harry is like, well, I'm not exactly packed yet, so let me just, like, you know, run up and throw some things on top of the other things that is thrown on top of some other things real quick. Because that's how Um, I live my life! I mean, you know, it beats that way sometimes. Um, it took him a little over ten minutes to track down everything he needed, um... And then he gets downstairs and he's disappointed to discover that Dumbledore was not waiting in the hall, which meant he had to return to the living room. No one was talking. Dumbledore was humming quietly. Um, Just having a good, good old time. If you can't is, love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up yeah. in here? <laughs> um, Harry's like, I'm ready now. And Dumbledore says, good. Just one last thing then. And he turns to the Dursleys. As you will no doubt be aware, Harry comes of age um, in a year's time. No, said Petunia. No, he doesn't. He's a month younger than Dudley, and Dudley doesn't turn 18 until the year after next. Ah, said Dumbledore. But in the wizarding world, we come of age at 17. Uncle Vernon muttered, preposterous. Also, so I'm like, of all the things yeah. about mag- the magical community, that is preposterous. That's the thing That's you the can't, thing. you won't stand for. That's it. <laughs> but I also, like, think it's funny, because I, I want to know if anyone has, like, the UK versions, if that says 16, and, or it, it has to say 18 and 17, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's 17. Yeah. Yeah. But they can, say. I guess they do, maybe they can start drinking at 18 and all that stuff happens at 18 and not 17, but I always thought that it was 17 universally. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, now, as you already know, the, the wizard called Lord Voldemort has returned to the country. Um, the wizarding community is currently in a state of, in a state of open warfare. Harry um, is in even greater danger now than the day I left him upon your doorstep 15 years ago with a letter explaining about his parents' murder and expressing the hope that you could care for him as though he were your own. <laughs> Dumbledore paused, and although he re- his voice remained light and calm, he gave no and he gave no obvious sign of anger. Harry felt the kind of chill emanating from him, and noticed that the Dursleys drew very slightly closer together. You did not do as I asked. You have never treated Harry as a son. He has known nothing but neglect and often cruelty at your hands. The best that can be said is that he has at least escaped the appalling damage you have inflicted upon the unfortunate boy sitting between you. <laughs> A read. A read. I mean, you know, it could have come sooner, but damn. Still scorching. Still hot. Still needed it. Needed to be said. Still necessary. Um, us, mistreat debtors, what do you, 
began Uncle Vernon furiously, but Dumbledore raised his finger for silence, um, which struck Vernon dumb. Um, I, the magic I, inver- I invoked, evoked, sorry. The magic I evoked 15 years ago means that Harry has powerful protection while he can still call his house home. However miserable he has been here, however unwelcome, however badly treated, you have at least grudgingly allowed him house room. This magic will cease to operate the moment Harry turns 17. Um, I only ask that you allow Harry to return once more to this house before his 17th birthday, which will ensure that the protection continues until that time. Um, None of the Dursleys said anything. Dudley is frowning as though he was still trying to work out when he had ever been mistreated. Um... And so I think, I mean, I think it is important well, that Dumbledore large. brings that up, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's important that Dumbledore brings that up, right? Because it's not just, like, like ob- it's the obvious abuse of, like, Harry that they've been, that's been happening for the past 15 years. But, like, Dudley has also been, um, like, changed and um, affected by that his outward like, their treatment of Harry. The outward hatred of Harry and then turning around and being, like, overly doting on him mm-hmm. um, has definitely, like, messed him up. But, in, and it's also the idea that, like, even in doting on him, like, he's been overindulged, which is abuse in, its, in another way, right? Like. Mm-hmm. They're setting him up for failure when he gets to the real world because the real world's not going to be like, oh, last year you got 35 presents. Well, we'll stop and get you two more. Like, right, exactly. that's not how it's going to, like, happen for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Dumbledore says, Harry, it's time for us to be off. Until we meet again, he says to the Dursleys. Bye, said Harry to the Dursleys. Quickly. Um... And then Dumbledore pauses beside Harry's trunk um, and says, we do not want to be um, encumbered by these just now. I shall send them to the burrow to wait, to await us there. However, I would like you to bring your invisibility cloak just in case. So Harry takes, uh, gets his cloak and puts it in his pocket. What? How does this cloak work? I don't know because how big is it? It can fit over Hermione, Ron, and Harry. At like, at, like, the age of, like, between ages Le- 11 and, like, 15. Yeah. All three of them can fit under it. But also but it can, can fit, also in, his fit in his pocket. Mm-hmm. But does he have the undetectable pocket of his jacket. extension charms or nah? I don't think so. Because I feel like this is just a regular it's, muggle jacket. Right? I don't understand. Maybe the invisibility cloak is the anti-TARDIS and shrinks to whatever size you need it to be. Maybe. Maybe. It's not. It's not. But it doesn't get bigger because they're like, they do comment on the fact that they can't all fit underneath it anymore. I'm confused. Yeah. Um, so then Dumbledore says, and now Harry, let us step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. He's so dramatic. (laughs) It's so dramatic. I love it. Um, so that's the end of the chapter. Yep. Who is your MVP? Dumbledeezy. Same. It's, you know. As I believe Delia said in the chat earlier, your problematic, your problematic faves are faves for a reason. Yes. Um, so Portia also makes Dumbledore her MVP for being crafty, uh, for being a crafty Shade King. 
Delia Dumbledore for reading the Dursleys to filth, albeit a bit late, which is true. Um, Omani MVP's Hedwig because she's tired of all this bullshit and find maybe Dumbledore's extreme levels of shade grumble grumble. So he acknowledges. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. Um, Laurel Dumbledore for shade better late than never. And Maggie Dumbledore for that last line. It's a good line. It's a great line. It's corny, but great. But great. And corny is always, you know. Always it's Dumbo bars that Dumbo we should bars. still. It is Dumbo bars. Yeah. It is what that is. All right. Um, oh. oh, and then Toya does Hedwig. Um, and I just clicked out of it. For putting up with the Harry and the Dursleys. That's real. She got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, she has singles. To drop. Um, to record and to, you know, get ready to drop. Um, okay, who did you bench? I had to go ahead and bench the Dursleys as a whole, Petunia in particular, okay. because of what uh, Dumbledore said, um, which just makes so much sense to me and, like, so many ways, but also because we've, and we've talked about Petunia before and we'll continue to talk about her. She sets the tone for how Harry is treated and, mm-hmm. and allows for the fact that he never feels at home there. Yeah. And we're getting to the end of, you know, him being, being there, but that doesn't take away like the pain cause. So, yeah. Yeah, that's real. Um, I benched Vernon. Um, mostly, like, for being him. Like, just for being Vernon. But then also, like, he is so... I don't... Like, just his whole, like, his uncle's dead. Like, he's been left a house. Just, like, where is the tact? Like, what are you doing here? Um, yeah. And still not really caring about... Like he just is—he's terrible, and I hate him. So he's benched. That makes sense, and yep. yeah, I—no n- words. Um, so we go all the way back up here. Delia benches the ministry. Take a seat, your bench. The order runs this shit now, which <laughs> love it. <laughs> Uh, Shady Portia benches Dumbledore for being so perceptive, but not doing the best he possibly could for Harry. Laurel benches Vernon for making the shade necessary. Amani benches Albus slave trading, child abusing, child abuse enabling, magical bullying, false hospitality, lying ass, trash ass, Star Lord planning ass Dumbledore. Ooh, is that a okay? We're gonna. Chill, Amani. Um, <laughs> Toya benches Dumbledore for waiting so long to give that read. And Maggie benches Vernon for all his abuse and greed. Which is very similar to Fudge, now that I'm thinking about it. That, like, Fudge abused Harry and then turned around and was like, why can't he do this thing for me? And Vernon mm-hmm. abused Harry and it's like, oh, he got some money? Like, right. sir. <laughs> no. But those are our MVPs yeah. and bitches. Tight. Um, so thank you for listening. 
Next week, we will be discussing Chapter 4 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chorus Slughorn. Uh, make sure to read and follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who was benched for the chapter. Join the conversation on Twitter, at WeBlackAndNerds, hashtag WizardTeam, join our Facebook group, join our Slack, um, talk to us, add us, DM, email, let us know your MVPs and benches um, for the last three chapters and continue to let us know um, for the next 27 chapters. Wow. Yeah. Um, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.